Welcome back to Political Zek, a podcast where we discuss Utah politics and policy. I'm Corey Astle, joined by Utah State Senator Todd Weiler. What's up, Todd? Hey, Corey. Hey, so this is going to be our special uh, Utah GOP convention episode, and we'll talk about and, the Democrats convention, too. Yeah, and the Democrats, too, yeah. <laughs> so yesterday was the big day, the Utah Republican convention. I was there at 6 a.m. and didn't leave till like, what, 6.30 p.m., so wow. Wow. heck of a day, but while you were volunteering, we should tell people most of the delegates didn't roll until about seven, seven thirty, And then of course you've got a credential, um, all 3,800 people, they have to show their driver's license. They have to get their, um, clicker so that they could engage in electronic voting. And of course, once the main convention started at 10, you had a bunch of people saying, no, we want to use paper ballots because we want to stay here for three days while you count 4,000 votes instead, yeah. <laughs> of, instead of using technology because technology is evil. Anyway. So this time that was directed at me because I was co-chair for election administration this time. So in the morning, we did paper ballots for most of the... Well, those uh, are the smaller races. Yeah, yeah smaller races. Yeah. All right, let's go through uh, some of the results. I, I think that there's a lot of interesting ones. Let's start with the, the legislate, legislature. I want to start with uh, Kara Berkland, who has been under fire. She led uh, HB 11, and I am so happy for her and so delighted to see that she received 75% of the delegate vote. So she wins the nomination, and good for her. Yeah, um, not, not a hugely surprising uh, result, but her her main opponent. She's going to be in a primary uh, due to signatures, but her main opponent, uh, who did not collect signatures, was Logan Wild. He served four years in the legislature, and Kara's only in the legislature because he resigned to take a slot in Governor Herbert's cabinet with about six or seven months left on Governor mm-hmm. Herbert's term. And then, when Governor Cox took over, he he chose his own cabinet members and Logan kind of got left out in the cold, which is unfortunate because Logan, Logan's a great guy. And so he was trying to run to get his old seat back. That's good. And another one that's uh, headline news was Dan Thatcher. He got 61%. So that was a surprise to me, you know, after voting, yeah. uh, he voted to, he voted against HB 11 and then voted against with you voted against uh, overturning the governor's veto. Well, and let, let me just let me just make a commentary. First of all, n- nobody works harder in a campaign than Dan Thatcher, you know, and he avoided a primary by exactly one vote is what I understand. Um, he had three opponents, and I think that was the second or third round balloting. But second of all, I think that um, Dan was able to go to his delegates and say, look at um, why, why would you want me to vote, even if you agree that, you know, that biological boys shouldn't compete against girls, would you want me to vote against a bill that I believe and the U.S. Supreme Court has basically said is unconstitutional, especially when it's going to cost us a million million dollars to defend it. That's number one. But number two, Corey, although people I think are I think Republicans were in favor of the veto override. I don't think that that's the only issue they care about. I think that's one of uh, of a myriad of issues because you saw uh, Evan Vickers and Ann Milner, two, two of my great Senate colleagues, who voted for the veto override, and they both got forced into primaries on Saturday. So again, um, that issue has gotten a lot of media attention, but I don't believe that those delegates were there just on that one issue. So yeah, no doubt, no doubt, multiple issues that there that people are thinking of. But it certainly goes against the uh, the media narrative on that one that uh, convention delegates are you know are there to do Trump's bidding or whatever. 
Oh, they're, well, but if you think about it, and seriously, Mike Lee got 70% and um, Dan Thatcher got 61%. So a lot of people that vote, a lot, I'm just saying a lot of Dan Thatcher's delegates voted for him and Mike Lee. But by the way, I think that the real, I mean, the real headline, we'll get to the Mike Lee race in a second, but the real headline from the convention, from my standpoint, is no incumbents got booted without a primary. So mm -hmm. a lot of incumbents, including um, John Curtis and Blake Moore, ended up in primaries. But, the, you know, we had this Davis County convention three or four weeks ago where Steve Handy got booted with no signatures. And I thought that was a, a harbinger of things to come. Um, and I thought the three races that I was watching where I thought there was a potential that one or two of them um, could get booted with no primary was Ann Milner, uh, Dan Thatcher and John Curtis. And I know all of these people personally. I like all of them personally. And I, I was quite grateful that they all made it through the convention because I think that they're good public servants. I may not agree with them on every single vote on every single issue because I think for myself <laughs> and I have different life experiences than them. But I, I think that um, Ann, Ann Milner is a former um, president of Weber State University. She's very well known in her district. I think she easily wins that primary. Uh, Thatcher, a lot of his Senate district is now in Utah County with the growth in Eagle Mountain. And so um, I think that he would have won a primary, but, but that was uh, uncertain. Um, certainly, he would have had a fundraising advantage as an incumbent. And John Curtis has already won a couple of primaries <laughs> against um, Chris Harrod. So I think that um, by getting his 44 or 45% of the vote, I think he easily uh, will win his primary mm -hmm. in June. So I don't know if you see that differently. No, I think that that's probably right. So let's, let's talk about the federal elections in just a minute, because I think we'll have a lot more to say about yeah. each one of those. But one thing, one, one last one about uh, more local for um, Utah school board. This is in our, my district actually here in uh, uh, Lehigh and covers the North part of Utah County is, Kim Del Grosso beat uh, Cindy Davis. She got 75% of the vote. And this is, this is noteworthy because she, she got basically a, an attack ad from the Salt Lake Tribune against her because basically she, she, she represents and, uh, you know, her views are pretty strong on some of these school issues and parents should be in control. So I think she's going to do a great job. Pretty excited about that. Well, I think she drew the media attention because she said that the issue discussed her, which I think it's easy for people to say that maybe maybe she's saying that these kids discussed her. And I think that's why I think that hopefully because um, she'll she'll win that seat. I hope that she'll I, I think that you can articulate your political beliefs without making anyone in the community feeling belittled. And, and I'm not sure that she that she struck that balance with that one comment. Now, she thought she was among friends. Um, and somebody recorded her or, or whatever. Um, but there's, there's another state school board race that I think was fascinating. Oh, I'm sorry. It was a legislative race. Um, Mark Huntsman, who is the current president of the state school board in Utah, is running for the Utah House. He only received 10% of the delegate vote, which is exactly, I think, what David Levitt got. But like David Levitt, he collected signatures and he'll be in the, the primary election. Two, two other incumbents that were forced into um, House incumbents who were forced into primaries yesterday are Kelly Miles and uh, Christine Watkins. Uh, so they'll both be on the June ballot. Christine Watkins, interestingly, when I joined the legislature in 2012, she was an incumbent House member as a Democrat. 
She got beaten by a Republican, came back a couple of years later, ran as a Republican, has been elected now as a Republican several times. And, you know, as a Democrat, she was quite moderate. And uh, a lot of the issues, you know, from her rural district aren't really red or blue issues. They're just issues that, you know, they're problems that need to be solved. Okay, let's talk about the federal ones real quick. Start with the Senator Lee race. So without question, uh, Senator Mike Lee received the biggest ovation from the crowd. I mean, it was it was so loud. And what really stood out is nobody else. I'm not just talking about Senate candidates. I mean, no one else in the entire convention received any sort of reception that even remotely like touches that so yeah he he's the rock star and you know and i think that it was extra big because he's been under attack for the yeah, text messages yeah. and i think people wanted to let him know that despite those text messages they still support him yeah so becky uh, ended up becky edwards got 11 percent when she nope, spoke 18 18 percent ali Isom got 11 percent no, Becky got eleven point seven seven percent. Oh, I was missing. That's from uh, that's from the uh, the elections chair. Okay, <laughs> that's, and that's and Ali got Ali got eighteen percent. No, Ali got nine point six six percent. Okay, so that's twenty percent. So, oh, and Lee got seventy percent on the first ballot. That's right. Yep. Okay. First okay. Ballot. Where did okay that that was on the final ballot. The final yeah, there was ballot. only one ballot because he got seventy okay. percent. Yeah. And then so. Um, so the other 10 or 11% went to the, the, the other candidates. Yep. So you had uh, Jeremy Friedbaum got three and a half percent. Lloyd Brunson got basically 2%. Evan Barlow got 2%. Laird Hamblin got 12 votes, which was good for a third of a percent. Oh, but, good for him. So between the, but between, uh, you know, so Becky got 11.7. So you could say 12. Allie got uh, 9.6. Oh, I was so misinformed. 10. I had left before that was announced. I had a, a work conflict. Interesting, but Becky still finished second and Allie finished. She finished second, but it was a lot closer. So, I mean, I actually, yeah. they, they definitely split the vote where yeah. I think a lot of folks were expecting that Becky would take some of Allie's votes. And so, yeah. I mean, the other piece of news though, is that uh, it was reported and it is true that Becky did get uh, some booze, but she, it wasn't like she went up to the, to the podium and got booed. She, she had a couple lines where she attacked Mike Lee directly. And those were the booze. That's where he got booed. But uh, Deidre Henderson, who was speaking really on behalf of Spencer Cox, did get some booze as she walked up to the stadium. Fairly light, but there were some. And I, I didn't see this, but I saw one, one person I know texted me and said that eight people in front of them stood up and turned their backs as Deidre was speaking, which mm, I think is just so rude. So I wasn't I wasn't in the room for that one, so I didn't I didn't hear that. I do know that there was a lot of Facebook group traffic on folks saying that they, that's what they were going to do is stand up and turn their back to Cox and Romney, who who didn't come. I mean, we could we could mention that real quick. So yeah. Senator uh, Governor Cox was at a uh, in Mexico, in Mexico, yeah, for for a uh, trade mission. So that seems pretty legit to me. Uh, Senator Romney said he had a, an event that he couldn't uh, a conflict. Who, yeah. Hey, we conflict. we all have conflicts, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> So, but, uh, you know. but this is really unfair. I mean, I, I'm friends with Deidre, so I'm biased here, but she, she's a very conservative Republican. She has a very conservative voting record and, and to boo her because maybe you disagree with a, a couple stances from her boss. I, I just, I was disappointed with that. All right, let's talk to the next one. Uh, Congressional district one, Andrew Badger, a newcomer to politics uh, three rounds 
And in the third round, he got 59 and Blake Moore got 40, almost 41. So, I mean, it was very close, but I mean, Blake had already collected signatures. So did Tina Cannon. So both of them yeah. will be on, on the ballot, but so, here's what I'll say about that real quick. And I'd love to hear your views, but um, yeah, Andrew Badger's a newcomer, you know, and I thought at the podium, he was pretty electric. And especially when it comes to like throwing the red meat, I think he was really effective. And uh, I think, I think representative Moore was, didn't shine so brightly, you know, yeah. missed a couple of turns. So representative Moore clearly is not as conservative as Mike Lee or as Chris Stewart or as um, Burgess Owen. And, and so the delegates aren't going to give him as much um, love, <laughs> but I also think that there was an interesting dynamic here because Tina Cannon is very conservative, but also mm-hmm. um, I think the dynamic here was um, Badger is legitimate. He's got a very interesting background. I think he gave a great speech, but um, he was also the only one that didn't collect signatures and a lot of delegates right. yeah. want to reward. So they knew there was going to be a primary between Moore and Cannon. So why not throw their vote to Badger and make sure he gets a shot, a shot as well. And so um, once again, here we have an interesting, interesting dynamic because Blake Moore, he's not well-known in the state because he's only been in for two years and he was elected during COVID, but he's going to have, I'm guessing a huge fundraising advantage yeah. um, because he's an incumbent. He's also married into the Boyer family. So that doesn't hurt either. Um, so I think that what, what you have here is you have now Tina Cannon and Badger who will split the anti, um, Blake Moore vote. So I, I expect him to coast through the, through the uh, primary. Yeah. His latest report, Blake Moore has about half a million dollars. I'm not sure what, uh, what and Badger he could raise had. that much more in the next six weeks. Be, yeah. Uh, and I think Badger, whatever Badger has is much less than that. I'm sure. Yeah. And, and so n- now he's in a race where you really need to run TV commercials. Yeah. And, commercials. Yeah. All right, so uh, the next one, um, Congressional District 2, Chris Stewart got 84%. Which is amazing. Which is amazing. 15%. She collected signatures. Uh, She probably only has pennies on, you know, left in her account. But, uh, you know, he did well. He did really well. And I, you know, I'm I'm a Chris fan and friends with him and everything. So I'd love to see it. But So let me tell you my big yellow dog theory. So almost any political science professor would tell you, Corey Astle, if, if you ran against a big yellow dog for, for elected office, doesn't really matter what the office is, the big yellow dog would get 25% of the vote. And, and the reason I say that is 25% of the, of, the, of the people who vote will vote against somebody. And so whenever you see a candidate get more than 75% of the vote, it's the people, it, it's basically, uh, it's basically that, pe- that, that the opponent was so bad that people that would have otherwise voted <laughs> against the incumbent are now, you know, voting for the incumbent because they, they don't like the incumbent, uh, don't like the opponent. So that does not bode well for Aaron Ryder. Um, and I don't think for her, it was just the signatures. I think that she's, um, uh, she's a, by the way, I've met her. She works for a former law firm that I worked for. She's very smart, very capable very legitimate candidate, but I also think she's uh, probably a, a little bit moderate. Like, um, you know, I, I, I can't say for sure, but my, my guess is just, she's trying to stake out the moderate ground kind of like um, Becky Edwards is doing with. Mike well, she Lee. said she voted for Biden. So, I mean, I think that, that, yeah, that's enough. Well, I think you so, can probably guess there's going to be a commercial along yeah, those lines. So, so if you soon. stand up at a GOP convention, especially with a, a fairly conservative crop of delegates and say that you voted for the arch enemy of the Republican party, <laughs> And against Trump, um, I, I, I'm sur- I, now I'm surprised that she even got 16%. <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right. So on that theory, um, let's let's uh, we'll we'll get to uh, the third district in a second. But just to, just to follow up on your theory, because this applies to the fourth district, Burgess Owens gets sixty eight percent. Jake Hunsaker gets thirty one percent. He collected signatures, only has th- uh, twenty four thousand dollars cash on hand, so he's not going to be able to put commercials up. But no. on your theory, I thought thirty one percent was really high. Him. Yeah. So, but but your big yellow dog theory, you know, maybe is in play here. Yeah. So so twenty five percent of people probably for whatever reason wouldn't have voted for Burgess. So that tells me. I mean, under my theory, that tells me that all of Hunsaker's campaign efforts. Well, first of all, he didn't lose any support, uh, but he got about six percent from his efforts. And so, and you know, with Mike Lee, I I, I picked that seventy percent partially on the big yellow dog theory, but I also recognize that all of Mike Lee's opponents would split that other 30 you know, percent, which is what <laughs> they did. Uh, so so the, the leading story was that Mike Lee got 70%. Um, and um, he's going to do just fine in a primary. He's Corey, he's not going to get 70% in June. He's going to get probably um, somewhere, I would guess between 50 and 55%. Um, what, what do you think? You think he's only going to get 55%. I think maybe, that maybe I'm sorry. Low. I'm sorry. I was thinking more of the general election. I, I no, I think he'll get under sixty percent though. Percent. So I'll take the over. I'll definitely take the over. Okay. I think he gets over sixty percent. Okay, I'm going to say yeah, under sixty percent. And then um, for the general election, that's going to be interesting. Fifty-eight. It's, it's too early to say. It's too early to say. Um, so here's what's going to happen in the general. Okay, so let let's just skip forward for one second. So the only real issue, I mean, there will be there will be a couple of primaries for congressional races. Um, Darlene McDonald, who is African American, will be facing Burgess Owens. So Blake Moore and um, I think uh, a couple other congressional races, the Democrats are having a primary on, which is they usually don't, which is so that's fascinating. But the the real issue of the Democratic convention was: do we nominate our guy Kale Weston, who we nominated for Congress two years ago, or do we kick? Kale West into the curb and throw our support behind um, Evan McMullen. And on a vote of 700 to 595, the Democrats said, let's kick our own candidate to the curb and try to consolidate support uh, behind Evan Vickers, who everybody should know ran as Evan McMullen. Evan McMullen. Sorry, Evan Vickers is in the Senate, also in a primary. Evan McMullen ran in 2016 against Donald Trump, primarily in Utah, and he ran as a lifelong Republican. (laughs) And now he ran as a Mormon. That's what he ran on. He, he, he and that's how he got votes in Utah. Period. Yes. And as a lifelong Republican. And he got about 21% of the vote against Donald and Hillary. And most of those votes, including mine and Mike Lee, were kind of protest votes because we would never vote it for, for, for Hillary. But, you know, you know, with the, with the stuff, you know, with the access Hollywood tape about Trump, uh, you know, we, we weren't going to vote for Trump right then either. So I did vote for Evan McMullen in 2016, because I had kind of carved out a niche on being anti, you know, trying to protect kids from pornography. And I didn't like the example that Trump was setting with that Access Hollywood tape. I would never in a million years vote for Evan McMullen in November of 2022. I would never vote for him for anything, because I know a lot more about him now than I did then. Um, and he, he just spent four years, uh, the Trump administration being uh, and anything but Trump, uh, never Trumper, and just would tweet every day. And making and they, money off it, creating a nonprofit stuff so basically Trump. can bank a bunch of money so he can go on MSNBC and take yeah. a bunch of left-wing radical he, money. And so at this point, I mean, it should be stated, he didn't come to the Republican convention yesterday. No, he went to the, he Democrat. Went to the Democrat convention. 
So yeah. that tells you everything that you need to know. And that yes, they vote and then they voted, which I just find really pathetic that they have given up on their own team in that way. I mean, I, I would say the same thing about Republicans. I promise you, I just, I just find yeah. that to be and, just and really I, defeatist and pathetic. I can't help but mentioning he still owes over $600,000 in debt from his 2016 campaign to vendors. So not only did he run for president and lose, he stiffed a lot of people that lent him credit. And in the six years since that campaign, he hasn't, uh, he hasn't, you know, retired that debt. And so um, that, that, you know, for, to send someone to DC that doesn't know how to pay their own bills or their own campaign's bills should be very uh, <laughs> disconcerting for everyone. So, so you know, like uh, we've talked about this before, we don't have to go down this road, but I mean, down ballot, they, they, they just can't be super happy about this because no, you know, like the energy that would have been put into working for Kale Weston, regardless of how good of a candidate he is, and he raised basically no money, but you know, at, at the very least, the energy, the anti Mike Lee energy out there, you know, and, and when you're you, you know, this better than anyone when you're when you're passing around mailers, you're you might as well pass around for state senate and state yeah. house and the whole thing, and so it's a it's a joint effort, it's a collaboration. And that's yeah. just blown to smithereens. So. Well, and it's worse than that, because in addition to what you just said, all of which is true, there's a huge enthusiasm gap right now because the Democrats are not, ex nobody's excited about Joe Biden. Jill Biden's not, Jill Biden is not excited <laughs> right. about Joe Biden. And so there's a huge enthusiasm, enthusiasm gap. And so, and there's now a huge fissure that, uh, you know, developed in the, in the Democratic Party because almost half of those delegates said, no, let's support Kale Weston. So after that vote, a, a couple of their county party chairs resigned. You have people, mm -hmm. I mean, the, the Utah Republicans are dysfunctional, but they're only, they're slightly less dysfunctional at any given moment than the Utah Democrats. But <laughs> this has exposed a huge rift in the party. And so I think you're going to see Democrats either not returning their ballot, throwing away their ballot, or voting in droves for third party candidates like the Libertarian or anyone but Evan McMullen. And so the idea of uniting that all the Democrats are now going to flock to Evan McMullen is not going to happen because at least almost half of the Democrats are mad. I mean, they have a party platform and Evan McMullen does not check those party platform boxes. And so they, they, they've said, let's surrender this election. This, these are my words, not theirs. And if their platform said, do anything to defeat Mike Lee, then they would have followed their platform yesterday, but they didn't follow their platform. Instead, they're doing anything to defeat Mike Lee and, and this will fail and it'll fail yeah. miserably. Uh, yeah. Unless, and I just want to hold this caveat. Uh, we talked about the text messages last week, so I don't want to retread that same ground unless there's another shoe to drop on this whole, you know, Mike Lee and the January 6th. I don't think there is. Um, and I don't think that I'll repeat, I don't think the texts were a great look for Mike Lee, but someone who already loved Mike Lee, the text, there wasn't enough there. It, it's going to chase a few votes away from the swing voters, but there's not very many swing voters left in Utah and Mike Lee. People either like him or they don't like him. And there's not a lot of undecideds. Yeah. And I, I won't rehash uh, my thoughts on, on, on the texts. I think, I, I don't, I don't think that it's the smoking gun. I actually think for the reason that you just described, the, the lack of enthusiasm on, on the Democratic side, this is nationwide, not just in Utah. Oh, yeah. I think, I think that's going to be a big factor for Mike Lee winning comfortably uh, in yeah. November as well. I yeah. really think so. So uh, last couple thoughts. We're, we're over time here. Um, quickly, I want to say uh, a convention is a massive undertaking, and I really got to see the behind the scenes. A lot of really great people 
really competent. And I know that, uh, you know, the Salt Lake Tribune and others are always constantly making fun of the dysfunction and you just, you, and there is some of course, but it's a massive undertaking. It is a lot of really awesome people. I think I, I, I want to give a shout out to uh, Sean Milne, Stafford, uh, Palmieri, both of them, superstars, super awesome. I know awesome. them both well. And uh, last word, Senator Hatch uh, passed away yesterday. And so I'll give you a chance to, to say something as well. I, I'm, I'm sure you knew him personally. I did. And I, you know, he, I'll say about Senator Hatch, he was always in the fight. He was always working hard. He always, always had a great team. I love, I have so many friends who are, who are Orrin Hatch alumni, but you know, he cut his teeth as being the Mike Lee of his day yeah. in the seventies. And, yeah. uh, you know, over time, obviously the issues change, but, uh, um, longest serving Republican U S Senator in the history of our nation. Yeah. We've already named a federal building, um, our federal courthouse after him in Salt Lake, which is, I think, completely appropriate. Um, and, uh, you know, d- d- you know, whether you're Republican, Democrat, or independent, he, he deserves uh, some respect and some admiration for many of the things he accomplished. Well said. Rest in peace, Orrin Hatch. Uh, that's it. That's it for All this right. week. Thanks, Thanks Corey. Tom. We'll see you next Sunday. Yeah.